Welcome to Bethany Presbyterian Church. I am so glad you chose to worship with us this morning. Bethany is an inclusive faith community. That means no matter who you are, no matter what your story is, we are so glad you're worshiping with us today. Everyone belongs here. Normally right now we would greet one another with handshakes and hugs, and this is not the season for that. But I want to invite you to greet each other in the uh, comments right now. Say good morning, say hello, tell us where you're worshiping from, and greet one another and have peace of Christ. Good morning. We are worshiping throughout the city, throughout the country, throughout the world. We are dispersed. And yet we are tied into one body. We are in truth, connected to one another. We are connected in our breath. So I invite you to take a breath. And know that that breath within you is the very breath of creation. It is the Holy Spirit, and it ties all of human flesh together. You are not alone. Now place your hand over your heart and feel your heartbeat. That is the beat of love within you, a beat that ties us all together. It is the very love of God. And if you hear nothing else today, this is what I want you to hear. You are a child of God, holy and beloved. Nothing can take that away from you. You are a child of God, holy and beloved.
This morning we'll be talking about some things that Jesus said on the last night before he died. But before that, he did some things, and I want to tell you the story of what he did before he said all the words we're getting ready to talk about in a minute. We have Jesus here, and three of the disciples, I imagine the other nine were there too, just not in this picture. Jesus and the disciples gathered in Jerusalem. Their feet were dirty from walking hundreds of miles on dusty roads. The disciples started arguing about which one of them was best. I don't know if you ever argue with your siblings about which one was best or which one your parents loved more, but that's what the disciples did. They argued about which one was best. Jesus, hearing them, got up and tied a towel around his waist. And he took a basin, that means a bucket of water, and began to wash the feet of his disciples. And they said, no, you can't do that, that's servant's work. So he continued washing their feet. When it was Peter's turn, he jumped up, and he said, no, you can never wash my feet. Jesus said, then you can't be my disciple. Jesus said, uh, Peter said, okay, wash my feet and my hands and my head and all of me. He always went a little overboard. After Jesus finished washing their feet, he took off the towel and sat down again. He said, do you understand what I've done? Do you call me Lord and Master and Teacher? But I've washed your feet like a servant. You must follow my example. The leader is the servant of all. You must serve each other. That means care for each other and help each other clean up your rooms and help your parents set the table. Those are all ways we serve each other. And that's how we show our love. Jesus said, no one is more important than anyone else. I want you to love one another the way I love you. Our passage for today picks up not long after that. It's John chapter 14. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. That's John chapter 14. Verses 1 through 11. Jesus said, Don't be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. My Father's house has room to spare. If that weren't the case, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When, when I go to prepare a place for you, I'll return. And take you to be with me, so that where I am, you will be too. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you will know God. From now on, you know God and have seen God. Philip said, Lord, show us God. That'll be enough for us. And Jesus replied, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been with you all this time, whoever has seen me has seen God. How can you say, show us God? Don't you believe that I am in God and God is in me? The words I've spoken to you, I don't speak on my own behalf. God who dwells in me speaks them and does God's work. Trust me when I say that I am in God and God is in me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Like last week, there's more here than we're going to be able to touch on during our time together this morning. So I want to focus on two specific parts of it. The first is that great image of God's house having lots of room to spare. The old King James says there are many mansions in God's house. It's a great image. And then the second is that verse about I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to God except through me. And that may be a little harder. We're going to start with that first image. In God's house, there is room to spare. I love that part. It's often used at memorial services. And it's a wonderful text for a memorial service. It's so reassuring. There's plenty of room in heaven. And Jesus is going ahead of us so we don't need to be afraid. There's nothing to fear as we pass from this life into the next. Because there's plenty of room. I love that. But I don't think this passage is only about what happens after we die. Notice Jesus doesn't say heaven in there. Jesus says God's home has plenty of room. Which begs the question, what is God's home? Certainly heaven, whatever it is we mean when we say that. But also the earth. The earth is God's home. And the church on our good days. And Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. Our very souls are God's home. And the promise is that in each of these spaces, in heaven and on earth, in the church and in our souls, there is plenty of room. There's a spaciousness. To be ourselves, just as we were created, warts and all. That's the promise. The mark of being at home with God isn't doing everything right, or being morally upright, or getting everything correct. The mark of being at home with God is that it feels like home. And that it's spacious. So when you feel that, that feeling of being at home or having plenty of room and space to be yourself, 
that's the mark that God is near. That you are in God's presence. Because God's home has room to stay. I love that. But then there's that second verse. I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to God except by me. Heart's parted. For those of us who know and love people who are not Christians, this comes with a lot of baggage. This verse has been used to scare people about hell, to make them feel like they're not good enough. And for folks who aren't Christians, they take a look at it and don't want anything to do with something so exclusive. This passage has baggage. So let's talk about it. Even if we might be inclined to skip it, let's talk about it. It helps always with the difficult passages to step back and look at the context. Jesus is telling the disciples that he's going away, by which he means he is getting ready to die soon. And like any conversation about imminent death, it is full of grief, and it is very difficult. And in this difficult and grief-filled conversation, Jesus is not just saying he's going away, but that also in some way he's going to still be with them. But honestly, what Jesus is saying doesn't make a ton of sense. And God bless Thomas that brave realist who dares to say what everyone else must have been thinking, um, Jesus, we don't know what you're talking about. Where are you going? How will you know the way? I think it's essential to notice what Thomas is and isn't asking. He's asking, how are we going to be with he is not asking, how do other people go to heaven? He's asking, how are we going to be with you? Not, how do other people get to heaven? Brian McLaren helps me see this really clearly this week. He points out that Thomas is not asking about people he's never met, like Buddhists or Hindus or Zoroastrians. And he's certainly not asking about people who would live 2,000 years later, like modern Jews or Muslims or secular atheists or humanists or New Age spiritualists. Thomas is asking for himself and the disciples. How are we going to be with you? It's a deeply personal question. They're scared. How are we going to be with you? And Jesus, to their fear, answers, just keep your eyes on me. I'm the way. I'm enough. You don't need any more. We have heard this passage applied so many times to people who are not Christians that it is almost impossible to go back and hear Thomas's question for what it really is. He is not asking about other people. This is not a passage about people who are not Christians. He's asking for himself and his friends. And they are scared and struggling 
wants to know how will we get through this? What is the way through this? And Jesus says, I'm the way. Just keep following me. You've got this. You don't need anything else. I'm the way to God for you. And notice, Jesus doesn't say he's talking about heaven. He doesn't say, I'm the way to heaven. That may be true, but that's not what he says here. He says, I'm the way to God. You want to know God or ultimate reality or see beyond the veil. This is the way. Incarnate love. That's what Jesus says. Incarnate love. Love in the flesh. That's the way to God. Love in the flesh. And Philip pipes up. Maybe Thomas gave him courage. And he says, but wait. uh, (laughs) What do you mean? Could we just see God? Jesus says, you have. You've been with me all this time, and I've been showing you God. Haven't you seen the way I feed people and heal people and set people free? The way I welcome all and turn away none, and the way I get down on my knees and wash your feet. This is what God looks like. God looks like love in the flesh. This is the way through. I had a great conversation this week with someone who's new to Christianity, is just beginning to explore. They've been having experiences of feeling connected to God for the first time in their life, and it's very exciting for them. And as we were talking over email, as we were writing back and forth to one another, They wondered about the experiences they'd already had in their life before they named anything God, of profound love. Those experiences that had already been there. And they wondered if all those experiences they'd already had might be what Christians would call God's love. And they nailed it. That's exactly right. No matter what we call it, Love in the flesh is God. And Jesus is one way of seeing love in the flesh. That's what Jesus came to reveal. And that's God. Love in the flesh. And that is what we are all engaged in right now. We are scared like the disciples. We are struggling. Some of us more than others. But we are also all loving one another. We are loving each other's bodies by staying distant. That is love in the flesh for right now. That is the way to follow Jesus right now. And it's the way to know Jesus' presence in our midst. Love everywhere in some way, in the flesh. That's all. That's enough. Jesus is with us in that. Amen.
Bethany community. If you stumbled upon us online or a friend sent you this link and you're worshiping with us for the first time or maybe this is your sixth time but you're new, I want to say welcome. I'm so glad you found your way into this community. I would love to get to know you. You are more than welcome to email me. My email address is pastor.wild at gmail.com. Or you can send me a message through the Facebook page. I respond to all of those. I'd love to get together over the phone or by email and hear some of your story and share some of mine and introduce you to this community and some of the small groups we have. Because this community really is a special place. I feel incredibly lucky to be a part of it. Part of how we are this particular community is through your generosity. This congregation is committed to continuing to pay our employees through this crisis, and we're able to do that because of your generosity. If you'd like to contribute, you can do that at bethanytacoma.org backslash give. There are ways to give one time or on a recurring basis. You can also send us an old-fashioned check in the mail. All of these gifts help this community be a place of inclusive welcome and vibrant spirituality and reach out and listen. This community is also a place of prayer. We pray with and for one another each week. We name the sorrows in our lives and the joys in our lives, our grief and our gratitude. And as Aaron sings, I want to invite you to name all of that in the comments. What's giving you hope this week? What are you thankful for? Where have you seen God? What's breaking your heart? What fears do you carry? What grief? Let's share those together.
self-sacrificing love to medical workers and grocery store clerks. We give you thanks for sun and for rain both, for moments of peace and moments of chaos. We give you thanks. And we ask that you would help us become aware of your presence in the midst of difficulty with loved ones who are sick, those who are grieving, those who are out of work, those who have too much work, those who long for some silence, and those who have far too much. Help us be aware of your presence in each of those situations. Let that peace that passes understanding settle upon us and settle our souls. We pray this in Jesus' name, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom power, and glory forever. Amen. Friends, go out. Go back into your everyday lives. As you go, may you go with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the unending love of God, and the power of the Holy Spirit this day, and unto your life this day.